The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Between Alan Shepard's 1961 flight in the new frontier of space and Neil Armstrong's lunar stroll of 1969, American audiences started falling in love with Star Trek. And they became enamored with going where none had gone before. Epiphany is a time for falling in love. Advent prepared you for an introduction that happened with Jesus at Christmas. And by Lent, the church is pretty much engaged, so that through Holy Week and Eastertide and then the Feast of Pentecost, she be wed to Christ. And after that, a married life of growth follows in the season of Pentecost. But right now, it's time for dating, courting, becoming enamored with Jesus as he winks and smiles and opens vistas we've yet to see and takes us places we've not gone before. And today's gospel bids us to new frontiers of time and place to discerningly go where our praying suitor goes before. This gospel week's lesson picks up right where last week's left off, at the synagogue. That's where Jesus was on the Sabbath, the seventh day, the last day of the week. And there he did the Sabbath business of preaching, and then something more by casting out a demon. Then a jaunt down the street takes him to the home of Peter and Andrew, and there he not only crosses the threshold of a home, but of the Sabbath itself. On this day of rest, he goes to Peter's ailing mother-in-law, grasps her by the hand, pulls her up, 
into health. Such physical activity was out of bounds on that day. But then she goes along with it and follows suit, making dinner for the boys and their new friend. The Sabbath-breaking activities of casting out demons and healing through physical contact like this carry right through to the next day, which is the first day. And its beginning is marked by the setting of the sun. So Jesus now, in the darkness of night, casts out many demons and cures many illnesses. Jesus transgresses Sabbath right into a new day because Jesus himself marked new time and brought a new age. Cycles upon cycles upon cycles of seven which had brought no rest were coming with him to an end because God was doing something new by doing the oldest thing of all over again. Creation. As God began to create in the darkness that began the first day, so Jesus, having broken the Sabbath, takes full charge in the darkness, healing broken creatures and making divine order out of demonic chaos. A new first day. You too stand at the threshold of ages. You most likely want time to roll back a bit, or perhaps to break into a fresh era unlike any that have been before. But there Jesus is, winking and smiling and tugging by the hand to something more. And we'll return to that in just a moment after a few thoughts about place. Perhaps even more impressive than Jesus leading his followers across that important threshold of time is what we see him do here with place. Now our English translation, it obscures this a bit, but there is a second, if you will, super synagogue that's going on in this story. After Peter and Andrew, James and John, and maybe even Peter's mother-in-law, start bringing people to Jesus in the darkness, Mark notes that, quote, the whole city was congregated at the door. The verb here in Greek, and you can even hear this in English, is epi-synago. They're synagogued at the door. So Jesus didn't leave the local place of gathering and prayer and study and worship to remain in the closer confines of the home. Rather, he began in the synagogue to break the Sabbath open into a new day and a new time. And then from the place that's just plain marked by his presence, he constitutes synagogue, congregation, gathering, and not just for a select few, but for the whole city. Historically, synagogues had arisen as little placeholders for an absent temple. 
But Jesus is the temple of God come in human form. And where he shows up, holy assembly, holy congregation is going to take place. Now we too stand at the thresholds of time and place. Many sense a shifting of eras in the air. Maybe at this time the conservative is wishing for a time like some time before, some time that makes sense. And maybe at this time the progressive is wishing for a time unlike any other, better than all the nonsense that has come before in prior eras. But Jesus offers neither. Because the best that lies before us is what lies behind us. Because Jesus beckons us forward in time by going back to and by taking back the first thing of all, which is creation. In the era at whose threshold we stand, place, place itself, is in danger of being lost. Likes now replace physical smiles. Emoji replace emotions and body language. Digital forums replace zip codes when it comes to human beings doing community. Transience is the norm, depression the trend, as human beings live under an existential pressure to, quote, have an impact and to, quote, change the world without maybe even being able to identify their places in the world. We have witnessed a fever-pitched shift to what we might call illocality if unfolding around us. And the human spirit in all of this, we can feel it almost, languishes under the need of located, healing touch. Now, once upon a time, churches were integral parts of, or at least understood by their communities. But in the era that lies before us, we might well expect that we who are touched by the healing touch of Jesus will actually constitute local community by bringing people in the darkness to a place where the saving human touch of God is to be found and watching as that saving human touch of God creates community and congregates people together. The new vistas to which Jesus points is not just a new day, but the first day, all over again, a renewal of creation. And the new frontier to which Jesus points is one in which his followers at his side constitute place because a healing touch grasps us in water, blood, body, and word. Now I grant you, that is a lot for the human heart to get wrapped around. But we come to embrace it with Jesus in the same way that he came to embrace it. By embracing our sometimes desolate and strange situation by prayer. That's what Jesus did 
at the threshold moments of his ministry like this one? Pray. And that's what he is doing right now for his church before the throne of our Father in heaven. He is praying. So that begs a really good set of questions. Will you fall now for a new time? That's as old as time itself. And will you take the plunge into a situation where maybe the only place is going to be the place at Jesus' table? If the butterflies in your tummy still flutter in uncertainty, well then just wait a bit. Because Jesus wants to take you to dinner. And after that, always after that, we discerningly go where he goes on before. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.